Good morning, friends. Thanks for joining us here at Ridgeway Church this morning from your own home or wherever you happen to be. Um, I know this is a new experience for you in that we've never before live streamed or done a video service from Ridgeway, but rest assured it's also a new experience for me and that I've never recorded a message like this for uh, any kind of audience before either. So we're both in this together and uh, I'm looking forward to it and trust that you're going to be encouraged and blessed by the things that I feel like God has uh, to share with us this morning. As you're likely aware, Pastor Brian and Debbie have been in Israel, and by the time you're listening to this, they will be back home again. Uh, we're grateful for that and looking forward to hearing from them uh, in the weeks to come. If you can remember back, what, two or three weeks now, uh, which probably seems like an, an eternity to some of us uh, with all the changes we've experienced, but here at church, we were just getting started on a series entitled Rooted, and we were looking at uh, different aspects of the church. I think it was three weeks ago today that Brian made a statement that the church is not a building or an institution. It's not a place or an event, but a spiritual family. Today, we're not meeting in a building and we don't have an event, but we remain the church, a spiritual family of sisters and brothers in Jesus and sons and daughters of God. Although our circumstances have changed dramatically since that time a few weeks back, our identity hasn't changed a bit. We're still the church. When Brian asked me probably three or four weeks ago if I'd be willing to share in his absence, the planned topic that he had, uh, had assigned probably isn't the right word, but it, that he had suggested was about the importance of sharing the living hope that resides within us. At that time, I don't think any of us had any idea how appropriate the topic of hope would be. Yet today we find ourselves living in a world where many people are controlled by fear or even panic, and hope is the furthest thing from their mind. So I think it's really, it's appropriate. It's important. I think it's a God thing that, that this, um, this topic of hope that I was looking into and thinking about uh, before so many of the events of this last week transpired, I think it's important that we're looking at this today. Let's take a look at the, the topic of hope. We're going to start today in 1 Peter chapter 3. Um, verse 15 is really the key verse that we're looking at, but I'd like to start by reading verses uh, 8 through 17. So join with me in looking at that. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 17. It says, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever, whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. 
So there's a lot that could be said from this passage, and I'm certainly not going to do an exhaustive study of it, but I'd like to point out uh, or pull out two primary points. Um, first of all, we live in a world that's filled with evil, injustice, and suffering. Verse 9 says, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. And I think we can see from that, the, the, the assumption is that we will experience evil. We will be insulted. Otherwise, this instruction wouldn't be given. Verse 14 says, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. The implication here is that there will be times of suffering that are no fault of our own. You know, some people like to believe in karma, where if I do good things, good will come back to me. And if I do bad things, bad will come back to me. And that's a nice sounding idea in that it kind of puts me in control of my destiny. But in reality, life doesn't work that way. Uh, there are many times when we will experience uh, evil things because of the evil acts of others and through no fault of our own. And there are other times that we receive blessings, not because of anything we've done, but because of what others have done. Verse 14 also encourages us to not fear or be frightened. I think it's accurate to say that anytime we have an instruction to fear not, there's probably a reason for fear. Otherwise, there's no reason to say fear not. Verse 16 refers to those who speak maliciously against our good behavior. Again, this is something that happens in a world of evil, where we, uh, through no fault of our own, will be persecuted or will experience injustice or suffering. So we see our first point is that we live in a world of evil. We live in a broken world where there is injustice and there is suffering, and we're not immune from that as much as we would like to be. Second, although we live in this world of evil and injustice and suffering, that does not ultimately define our lives in this world. Verse 15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Think about that. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This implies that there is hope and that we can have it within us. Hope does exist, and there's reason for that hope. Our hope is reasonable. It's not just some sort of far out there, ethereal, hopefully tomorrow will be better kind of thing, but it's a reasonable hope. There is a reason for it. The hope within us is also obvious enough to others that they will ask us about it. You get that? People are going to ask us about the hope within. That's not because we say we have hope, but it's because they see it within us. So the hope within us is obvious enough to others that they'll ask about it. And then we need to be ready with an answer as to the source of our hope. As we consider this passage, I'd like us to ask a few questions. First, what is the reason for the hope within? What is the reason for the hope we have within? If we are to give an answer, we need to know what that reason is. Again, there's probably a number of ways we could go in, in looking at this reason, but I'm gonna, gonna look at really two different things. Let's look again at, at verse 15 in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3. It says, starts out, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. And then it goes into always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks about the hope that you have. 
But it starts with, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. How does this give us hope? How does setting apart Christ as Lord give us hope? What does it mean to, in our hearts, set apart Christ as Lord? First, I think it's a recognition and acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. And that's an acknowledgement that he is greater than any circumstance or fear or evil that we can face. He's greater than any government. He's greater than any virus. He's greater than anything that we can face. He is Lord. It's, it's a statement and a recognition in our hearts that he is the ultimate, um, the ultimate ruler, the ultimate source. He is the greatest in all the universe. But it's not just the fact that he's greater or more powerful that gives us hope. We can, uh, power in and of itself does not give a person hope. If you were living under the, the rule of a, of a violent dictator who was very powerful, that's not a, a, a source or a cause for hope. It's actually a source of, of fear or, or terror. When we look at God, it's also the fact that God is good and that everything that he does is motivated by love that gives us hope. So in addition to being the ultimate power, the ultimate authority, he is also the ultimate good. And that is reason for hope. Our hope comes first from our understanding of God's nature, that he is Lord of all, greater than any circumstance we face. And second, from our understanding of God's character, that he is good and motivated in all his actions by love. So it's, it's, it's our revelation of God's nature and character that gives us hope to face the circumstances that we face. As we grow in our revelation of God's nature and character, we also gain a greater perspective of his story and our place in it. And without reading it, his story is really history. We gain a perspective of history and our place in it. Let's remind ourselves here of the big picture of his story. This isn't going to be a, um, by any means, an exhaustive Bible lesson, but it's a, it's a quick overview of what we see in the Bible. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Before anything else existed, God was. God existed as Father and Son and Holy Spirit, living together through all eternity in a perfect relationship of love and unity. It's hard for us to imagine that because we rarely see those kinds of relationships in our world today, but that's the relationship God had. And he created us in his image or like him so that we could join in that relationship with him. Think of that. God made us like him so that we could join in relationship with him. The animals aren't made like God. They're not made in his image and they don't have relationship with him. It's not that he doesn't care for them or see them or look out for them, but there's not the relationship there because they're not made in his image. And the same is true of, of plants and other parts of creation. We as humans are unique in that we're made in his image so that we can have relationship with him. But we all know the story. We rebelled and we sinned. Adam and Eve, uh, we like to blame it all on them, but we've all had our part in sin. In Greek, the word often translated as sin is, and I'm no Greek scholar here, but it's hamartia, which means to miss the mark. 
It's also a word that's used in, in archery, where you shoot the arrow and you have the bullseye, and if you miss the mark, it's the same sort of thing of not hitting the mark. But that word, hamartia, really, if we dig a little deeper, it comes from two words. It's the words ha, which is a, a negating word, meaning not, and the word meros, which means to be a part of or together with. And so in essence, sin means to not be a part of or not be together with that which we were meant to be with. Simply put, sin is separation. And that's what we see when Adam and Eve sinned. There came a separation in their relationship with God. But God's response to that separation was to pull out all the stops to bring us back into relationship with him. We see this in his, his covenant with Abraham in, in Genesis 12, where he was making a covenant with Abraham and with his descendants, the Israelites, in order to be a blessing to all nations, in order to draw the nations back into relationship with him. And we see it ultimately when God came to live among us and show himself to us in the person of Jesus. Jesus, through his life and his death and resurrection, tore down that wall of separation that kept us from walking in the relationship with God that we were created for. And now, through the Holy Spirit living within us, we again have full access to relationship with God. We can live in the fullness of our calling and our destiny. We can live out what we were created for by walking in relationship with God. That's what gives me hope. My fulfillment in life, my hope, is not dependent on my circumstances. It doesn't depend on my financial situation. It doesn't depend on my job. It doesn't depend on my family or even on our national security. My hope comes from the fact that I'm walking in relationship with my Creator, and no circumstances in life can take that away from me. So the reason for our hope can be summed up simply. We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord over all and know that his character is nothing but good. And we find our complete fulfillment in relationship with him because that's what we were designed and created for. And that gives us hope. But how then do we nurture hope? I'd be lying to you if I said that I've been perfectly hopeful and contented every moment of this past week. Um, it simply wouldn't be true. No, <laughs> there are times when my hope, there were times in this last week when my hope needed some help. So how do we help our hope in these difficult times? First, we need to remind ourselves of who God is. That goes back to recognizing him as the Lord and recognizing his nature and, re and character, reminding ourselves of who he is. Find some scriptures speaking of his nature and character. Memorize them. Meditate on them. Remind yourself of the truth of who he is and what he does. Let's do that right now. I want to just uh, read Psalm 91, verse 4. Psalm 91, 4 says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Let's read that again. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Now I want to take just a few moments here and think about that. Meditate 
on that. I'll read it one more time, and then we're just going to pause and be silent for a few moments to meditate on that. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Now, obviously, I'd encourage you to take even more time to meditate on that. But I think even in just those brief moments, God can be speaking to you, and I trust he was speaking to you, about who he is, about his nature and his character, about the way he sees you and the way he cares for you. And so it's important as we tell ourselves the truth, as we meditate on Scripture, as we we come to a, a more accurate understanding of who God is, it's important that we consider our thoughts. I've been known to tell my children, think about what you are thinking about. And really, I have to tell myself the same thing on occasion. What I mean by that is I need to evaluate my thoughts and recognize whether they are true or whether they are false. Are the things that I'm thinking based on the truth or are they lies? Those lies can come from a number of places, but the truth we can find in God's word as it speaks of who he is. Evaluate your thoughts and bring them into the line with the truth of God's word. 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Next, as we seek to nurture our hope, to help our hope, we need to actively pursue that relationship with God for which each of us was created. Prayer is interaction with the Father. Oftentimes we think of prayer, and I'm guilty of this as much as anybody, we think of prayer as bringing our requests to God. And so we come and we just drop off our requests and then we go on with life. But prayer is meant to be communication. Communication is never a one-way thing. It has to be both ways. And so as we bring our requests to the Father, we also wait and get his perspective and listen to what he has to say for us. For some of us, that may be uncomfortable. It's not something that we've uh, practiced on a regular basis. But I want to encourage you in this new season of life that we're living in now, maybe it's time to try some uncomfortable things as we're going to be uncomfortable anyway. Spend some time with God, giving him your requests and listening to his response. Ask him for his perspective. Ask him what he'd like to speak to you about this time. And finally, we can nurture our hope by laying aside our worries. In Matthew 6, 34, Jesus says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like that. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Today has enough trouble of its own. There's no use ruining today by bringing tomorrow's troubles back into today. And that's, in essence, what we're doing as we worry. We're we're grabbing the troubles from tomorrow and grabbing the troubles from next week, at least the troubles we think will be there, and we're pulling them back in today, into today, and we're trying to deal with them today. But Jesus said, today has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. God gives us the grace and strength for today. When it says each day has enough trouble as has enough trouble of its own, it's also true that each day has enough grace of its own. God will give us the strength and the grace to deal with the things that we have to deal with 
today. Here, I'm, I'm no deep theologian, but uh, when I look back in the Old Testament, God revealed himself as I am that I am. And I am is really a present tense kind of thing. That means God is here and he's here and now. Now, I'm by no means suggesting that God wasn't there in the past or he won't be there in the future. But what I am saying is God interacts with us in the present. He interacts with us today in the here and now. And so let's live our lives today. Doesn't mean we don't think about the future or prepare for the future, but we live our lives today and we access the grace that he has for us today. And um, we, we don't worry about what the future holds. It's been said that worry leads to panic, but prayer leads to peace. Is my life, is your life marked by panic or by peace? by worry or by prayer. Something we need to think about in these times. So we looked at how we can nurture our hope. And the next question is, how do we share our hope? As a church, we are called to share our hope. If we go back into uh, to 1 Peter again, um, verse, verse, the end of verse 15 actually, where just after we talked about always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Do this with gentleness and respect. I am believing, I'm trusting that as people see us from Ridgeway Church and our other brothers and sisters from churches around the, the city and around the nation, I'm trusting that there's going to be questions about the hope that, that is within us because people will see the hope within us. And then we can share that hope, but do it with gentleness and respect. It's not up to us to condemn others or to uh, try to convict them. God is faithful to do that by his Holy Spirit. But we can, with gentleness and respect, with humility and love, share the hope that we have with others. And we need to be praying too that people see the hope within us and we have opportunities to share that hope. Now the question is that we really need to look at is, are you experiencing this hope within? Do you have hope within? And if today, if you're sitting there and you're saying, no, I don't have that hope, I'm not experiencing that, there's no condemnation in that. But now is an opportunity for you to recognize and confess Jesus as Lord, not only of your life, but of the universe. And Jesus is Lord, of, of all things and as a good and faithful father. Jesus is, his character is one of love. God is a good and loving God. He's a good and gracious father. And he is Lord over all. And so you can, you can submit yourself to him and gain that hope that we're talking about this morning. If you don't have anybody to talk to, I'd encourage you to contact the church, contact anybody that, that comes here, uh, contact the church office, um, look us up. We would love to talk to you about that and, and, um, and lead you into that hope that God has for you. In the end, um, to really sum it up, John 16 verse 33 says this, in this world, you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
So when we see coronavirus, when we see all the things happening around the world, when we see the trouble that we're facing, it shouldn't surprise us. This is something Jesus said 2,000 years ago. In this world, you will have trouble. That doesn't surprise me, but it also doesn't destroy me. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I want to leave you this morning with just uh, speaking a blessing over you, the priestly blessing that uh, from, I think it was in Exodus, I didn't look up where it's from, but I just want to say a blessing over you and, and trust that as you go forward in the days and weeks ahead, that you will be living in the hope that God has for you. So I want to bless you now in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I bless you in Jesus' name. Go in peace.